Hi everyone, and welcome to the Y2 Podcast, where I interview interesting and noteworthy people to learn about their journeys and specifically look to understand their beliefs, values, mindsets, and the resources they use to get started and succeed on their journey. I'm your host, Dustin Elliott, and today's guest is Andrew Vandebeek. Andrew is one of the founders of a new social enterprise, Big Little Brush, and the director of Illuminate, a holistic business accountant and business advisory firm he started with a partner at the age of 26. Now to say that Andrew is one of the most unconventional accountants I think I've ever met might be an understatement, and I'm excited for you to see why as we go through today's discussion. His professional career started at one of the big four accounting firms. From there, at another firm, he worked his way up to potential partnership opportunities and eventually leading him to start his own firm as he searched for something aligned to his values. One of the things I love about Andrew's story is it seems to smack the conventional wisdom I hear all the time of someone needing some unknown but substantial amount of experience before you can start a particular business, career, or project. And then, when they do start, they so often become another me too, looking and sounding like everyone else out there and watering down what makes them unique and authentic. As we navigate through Andrew's journey, you'll get a really raw and unapologetic discussion on playing to your strengths, being true to yourself, and dreaming bigger than you perhaps you ever thought. If you've ever sat there like I've done, and you didn't feel like you're ready to take that next big step in your career or business, you need to listen to this. I love how he takes us through his thought process of getting started in his business, and the approach he uses that is elegantly simple but guaranteed to help you get started before you probably ever thought you could. With that being said, let's get to today's discussion. Andrew, welcome to the YT Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, obviously, I just want to thank our good mutual friend, Corey Wasso of Verse Wealth, for making the introduction. And uh, I definitely make the point that if Corey, if Corey has somebody that amazes him, it's something that I think is probably going to amaze me as well, too. And I know from our, our first chat, within about five or so minutes learning about your journey, it would automatically, I knew I had to have you on the podcast. I think there's Lots of gold about your story we're going to get today that the listeners are going to love too. But, uh, so thanks so much again for joining me. Not a problem. I'm going to have to send Corey that $100 bill now as well. Thanks, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. A bottle of scotch, I think, as well. I a like bottle it. of gin. A bottle like of it. gin. So. Yeah. Um, now, one of the stories I want you to do, I think, get us started off with today. Something I think, obviously, is a great way to kind of, for us to get to know Andrew a little bit more, is to tell us about your uh, ZeroCon, um, getting the Most Stylish, uh, Most Stylish Accountant Award. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really funny story actually. So um, every year um, the software, accounting software Zero has a, a massive conference where um, people around Australia gather. Um, last year uh, was up in Brisbane and it was Australia, New Zealand and some of Southeast Asia as well. And on the very last night they have a gala night and the gala night is like just a big, you know, food and drink and they, they give out a bunch of awards for like accounting firm of the year and bookkeeping firm of the year and technology thing of the year and all that kind of stuff and as we were getting ready for the night, um, there's a crew of us from Illuminate, we're, we're staying in a hotel room, I thought it'd be really funny if I take a photo, I was just, you know, doing my hair, I had my, my, uh, my, my hair, um, hair products, my, <laughs> my beard oil, my beard comb, so I laid on there, took a quick photo, chucked it on Twitter, like with like the hashtag, you know, like getting ready to hang out with my cloud hunging friends, and you know, can't <laughs> wait to party tonight. Just just as a bit of a laugh. Um, so we go to Zerocom, we're sitting at the table, and Peter Burner is the MC for the night, and he's just getting everyone warmed up for it all. And he's like, you know, I was just 
cruising through Twitter um, in preparation for this, and as soon as he said that sentence, I knew something was coming. And he's like, and one post struck my uh, struck my eye, and it, he said, "Is Andrew Vanderbeek in the audience here?" And I throw my hand up, and he said, "This man," he said, "He said he, he had this photo of his hair perked and so on and so forth. He's obviously an impeccably dressed man. He's obviously an incredibly stylish person." Uh, and he said, so can I get you to stand up? And he stood up and he gave me, like, you know, had a bit of a laugh. And he said, what we're going to do, mate, is um, you're going to sit down and I'm going to I'm going to announce the very first award of the night, which is going to be for you, and it's going to be the most stylish accountant of the year award. <laughs> so what I want you to do is I want you to show everybody in the room how to receive an award. Now, little, little did he know, I used to do a bit of drama back in the day, and one of my staff who was sitting with me used to know that as well and looked at me going, God, they, sh- they couldn't have chosen a, a better option here. <laughs> so I sit back down and he does this big hurrah and, you know, congratulations, uh, the winner is Andrew Vanderbeek. So I, I get up and my staff get up and we give him a big hug and some high fives and I start just dancing down down the lane to whatever song they had playing and high fiving some people and, and I got to the stairs of the runway and in my head I'm like I should do something here. I'm like I'll do a drop roll. So I go to bound up the stairs and I do a little fake trip, do a drop roll, spin, figure out you know guns blazing. Yeah. It was hilarious. Spin a high five. So. Um, it was really good and then literally a week later when I got home um, a, a package arrived in the mail and I'm like oh what's this and lo and behold Zero actually <laughs> got me a frame most stylish accountant award so I've now got that sitting in the office fantastic man. that's absolutely fantastic and I gotta say as well too we'll get a picture of yourself in a little bit the beard <laughs> is fantastic as somebody who can't quite grow a beard and that's my my 10 to 15 year plan I'm very much got a bit of beard envious I think many people will thank you that, thank so. you it's been a lot of work I, uh, I never used to be able to do an event many years ago and I think I just somehow fluked it just water it daily that's <laughs> Water daily, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a separate podcast, the uh, the, the beard growing uh, beard growing one on one sort of thing. So, I like it. <laughs> no, fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, now, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll get a little bit later on in our chat today, obviously about Illuminate Partner and what you're doing. But to, I think to kind of get the story started, to learn a bit more about you, to to go back, way way back, back to your your first role, because I think. We were talking about this earlier that as uh, somebody going into university, it's a it's a real challenge for people, I think, really just trying to figure out at the ripe age of 17, 18, 19, what they want to do for the rest of their life, or at least an inkling of what they want to do the rest of your life. And I know yourself, you said you were obviously, from a young age, really inclined towards maths and problem solving and sort of thing. But your first role wasn't necessarily the most strategic move, I guess you could say, was it? I'd love if you could tell us a little bit more about your, your first role and how that came about. Yeah, so my, I guess my first accounting role was, it was kind of by accident, to be honest. I, um, I kind of made the, the call during high school. I was, you know, I really liked drama and I really liked maths and accounting. I was just happy. Well, I happened to be good at maths and accounting. It's probably more rather than like it. And I kind of made the call that, well, um, if I wanted to become an actor, then I'll probably be poor for the rest of my life. But I could become an accountant and then I could at least maybe do some acting on the side, which hasn't happened. But um, so I made the call. Okay, so we'll do accounting. This is a good, good thing. And then uh, I, I think a few months later, I was reading the school newsletter and there was um, an advertisement for KPMG about a cadetship program they do which is where they take kids after finishing year 12 and you effectively study and learn whilst in a full-time environment with mm. them which which is fantastic I'm like hey this sounds awesome I'll apply for that um, happened to be that like the applications close at midnight so I smacked through an application um, submitted it it was the only one I submitted there were other firms that were taking it but I didn't even realize that uh, and then went through a really long um, a really long interview process and happened to be at the end of it I had a um, I had a contract delivered to my family's home in Frankston at like seven o'clock on a Sunday night for me to sign. Um, about a month later, it was all of a sudden I had this this job with a, a city-based accounting firm uh, for this 
like from Frankston, from a public school. So I feel like maybe they kind of ticked the equality card on that one. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, and just for viewers listening as well too, it might not be familiar. Obviously, Frankston's a suburb of Melbourne, but what about an hour or so away kind of thing? Uh, sort yeah, of about a... 45 minutes south, yeah. and it has a, has a reputation. It's got some really good parts, and it's got some other parts that are a little bit sketchy as well. So it's got a reputation. It's it's not a deserved reputation. <laughs> Franks, yeah, Frankston's, it's, it's got some good positives. I, yeah. do, I do love it down here, and obviously where your office in uh, Mount Eliza, beautiful area as well yeah. too. So, so you uh, so you get this you get this you get this opportunity at KPMG, and I guess could you just kind of walk us through sort of those first couple of years. I mean, obviously yeah. a guy who loves maths and just kind of applied to something at a bit of a last minute. How was that sort of those first couple of years? In terms oh, of look, it was insane. Things? You know, so I, I move out of home uh, after a few months, and I go and live um, off the end of Ligon Street in like. Uh, you wouldn't call it a bedroom. It was like half of half of a study. Like it didn't have any air, oh, any windows of ventilation. So I'm living there. Um, I'm all of a sudden working. Um, you know, a full time job. I'm studying at nights um, at a university around the corner. Um, and I guess the whole work experience is really different. Like, so mm. I was like this kid that liked punk rock music and, you know, I'd often have like, you know, fringed hair or, you know, I wanted to like, I, I had my eyebrow pierced, which I took out before I started there. Did they make you take it out or did you um, take it out? I decided to yeah. do it before the interviews. I thought, well, this probably won't be a good look. Let's take it out. Although I had this big red rashy thing on my eyebrow. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, look, it was, it was weird. Like whenever you start a job for your very first exposure with that, you're like, you're often going to just do the crap stuff, right? Yeah. And back then, this was 12, 13 years ago now. Shivers, it was 12, 13 years ago. <laughs> um, that was photocopying. Like, that was using a typewriter. Like, yeah. I, I, which feels weird for me to say being 31, but I was using a typewriter to fill out tax forms. And, <laughs> and it was very much like the raw, but most basic possible thing, the most annoying thing you could possibly do. Um, but on reflection, like I saw every piece of document that we did as a business. Like mm. I, I saw every type of tax form, every type of legal thing, every type of accounting thing that went through there. So I started to actually understand what it was I was looking at. So then when I actually had to do it, at least I knew what it was that I was doing mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Yeah, so as you were going through, obviously you were there for I think five years and about five years or so. Yep, yep. And obviously at the same time you're studying uni. So we we obviously you're growing responsibilities and just getting more uh, basically giving more responsibility as you went on sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, the idea is to try and train up as quick as, quick as you can mm -hmm. um, and therefore take on more responsibility. But at the same time, it's still quite structured in terms of what they will allow someone who doesn't have an accounting qualification <laughs> yeah. and is 18 years old to do. Yeah. So, which is, it's kind of weird. Like, it's still, like, it still astounds me how much clients we're getting charged for an 18-year-old inexperienced person to do work for them. <laughs> but that's okay. Um uh, but yeah, so like it was this, you know, slowly learning, slowly trying to do better things, slowly trying to do bigger things. But when you're in such a large corporate environment like that, it's not necessarily about how good you are. Mm. It's about who you know, right? It's like not what you know, it's who you know kind of thing. So if you got in really good with particular managers or partners and directors there, they would start to feed you work, which means mm. you would get more exposure, which means you could do more things and the wheel kind of just recreates itself. Mm. Um, I probably wasn't the best at doing that just because I've got a, I, I have a bit of an attitude problem when it comes the you know like this whole who you know not what you know kind of mm. thing it just really riles me up so um, I, I still managed to do a whole bunch of really cool stuff but 
um, I probably didn't connect with a lot of people as much as other people did. Uh, just wasn't my thing. Mm. Were there anybody as you went through that, whether it be partners or other sort of people in the organization that you sort of adhered to and sort of built those relationships with, or were you sort of going along? And... I think so. Yeah, no, they're, they're different. Like I, I still had uh, friends, and I still have friends to this day from mm. from my my time there, and um, I still bump into people that I used to work there, and we, oh, hey, how you doing? It's really good to see you, and well, you know, what are you up to these days? And so there was still a lot of that, and 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 the people there were still good people, and mm. like they still like. Hey, we're trying to do good things, so we're trying to do it well. So they they, they recognise that we all need to learn and we all need mm-hmm. to grow together. So there still was a lot of that. Um, uh, there, there was probably no one in particular that I really bonded um, closely with. However, that being said, when you're a cadet, what they do is they have like a mentor thing. So the first year cadets are mentored by the second year cadets, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So I had a couple of guys that mentored me, so I was relatively close with them for the first year. And then when I was a second year, I then was mentoring some first years under me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first years that we mentored, none of them stayed for the entire four-year period they all either left or got got let go so yeah. i'm not sure i did too good of a job there but yeah and so what were your biggest learnings out of those couple of years besides obviously getting such broad exposure across every facet of it what was what were your sort of those biggest learnings in those first couple of years for yourself um biggest learnings so it's a it's a large corporate environment um there's a lot of uh, uh a lot of work that needs to be done um and there's a lot of people that are there to do it mm. so um it's about you know, trying to learn as quick as you can, trying to become as quick as you can, but it's also about getting to know the right people. Mm-hmm. So I probably learned that whole that whole large scale commercial aspect of it all. Um, additionally, I also learned the value of like uh, committing to what you do and doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually had a really poor experience from my behalf. I um I was doing some secondment work at a um, at a client of ours. Um, and I was there, and at the very same time, I was planning a, a trip. I was going to Queensland or something like that in a few months' time. I can't really remember the details, but um, so whilst I was doing some work and the client was paying me to do this work, I was also checking out like my holiday. You know, where am I going to go? Where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? Those kind of things. So I was splitting my time um, between uh, the two things. And then um, uh, a week later, I get called into the boss's office at this client, and he's like, hey, we've just gone through like some email and internet history um, last week because I'm concerned with what you've been doing and you're fired. So it was like, like so they fired me from this client job. So this is not, not from KPMG, mm-hmm. but it's from that. So it's like this whole like, holy crap, like I, I haven't really taken seriously mm-hmm. what it is I have been doing right now and I kind of need to pull my head in a little bit mm-hmm. and not just take things for granted, but actually recognize that I'm a 20-year-old kid who has this amazing opportunity ahead of me and I need to now recognize and respect that mm. so that was probably a really big moment for me from a kpmg perspective from learning yeah so obviously for a guy who didn't necessarily envision himself going into accounting going into the sort of accounting what what things stuck out for you that really really made you feel that you were on a path that you obviously still on today essentially Oh, look, I've, I've always loved problem solving. Um, as a kid, puzzles, loved it. I was all, all about that kind of stuff. Like, I, I remember doing puzzles with my mum at a very young age. You know what kind of puzzles they were? Oh, like thousand-piece stupid puzzles and, mm-hmm. like, just yeah. crazy things like that. And then, like, other little kind of those weird kind of gimmicky game puzzles where you got to get the knots untied and, <laughs> or anything that, that required a problem that had a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really, really good with that. Um, so I guess, like, the things that I learned and things I really valued from those experiences was, like, okay, how, how can I continue continue to use this kind of perspective that I have if, if there's a problem here how do we solve that mm-hmm. um, even though at the time I was lodging GST returns for clients and I was doing basic <laughs> individual in- income tax returns still trying to approach it with that mentality of alright there's a problem here what's the solution mm-hmm. how can we make sure it's the best solution possible mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Mm. So obviously, so you're you're keeping keeping your G for a couple of years. You graduate, but I think you something happened about that five year mark, didn't it? Yeah, it was really interesting. So I um I graduated. I've been there for probably about another six months post graduation, continuing on. Um, I had just recently got engaged. Um, and my my fiance's mother at the time had gone through some um, really serious health issues, um, which resulted in her passing away. And uh, my wife, uh, my now wife, um, she had quit her job and she was full-time carer. So she was planning on, um, she just made the decision to try and return to work. We just gotten engaged, so she didn't have a job. Um, we're planning a wedding and um, I was sitting in the office one day and all of a sudden people start getting made redundant. Mm. And this is the second round of redundancy I've made, so um, uh, nothing happened for me. The first one, the second one, one of my best mates who was sitting next to me got made redundant and he came and he was like, I'm like, oh mate, that's horrible, Like I felt terrible. Went to lunch, came back from lunch, two o'clock in the afternoon or so, my phone rings and it's director saying, hey, Andrew, do you want to come in my office? Mm. And I'm like, oh, I know what this is. Mm. So I go in there and he tells me the story, yeah, we're really sorry and so on and so forth. And me being, you know, the 22-odd-year-old that I was at the time then, I'm like, oh, you can't do this, we have a contract and <laughs> all this kind of stuff that I just had really no understanding of. Um, and then they shoved a piece of paper in front of me that said what my payout was and I went, sure, fine, I'll take it. No, no dramas. <laughs> like, like, I was like, crap, there you go, that's my wedding paid for. Yeah. It, was, it was cool. But then I, I call my wife and well, my fiance at the time and I'm like, hey, I've just, just lost my job. This is horrible. She's like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Something's going to be fine. Um, and I go back to my office and you know start cleaning things out at the desk and whatnot. And then about half an hour later, the phone call um, for my phone rings again. It's my my fiance and she's like, "You'll never guess what just happened." I said, "What is it?" She's like, "I just got a job." Hmm. So she'd been looking for about six months for a job, and the day I lost mine, within two hours, she's picked up her job. So it's like this <laughs> this weird coincidence that kind of like made me go, "You know what? It's going to be okay." Yeah. Like I'm 22. I've just spent you know, five odd years working at KPMG, sorry, 23 times, five odd years working at one of the best accounting firms in the world. I've got a qualification with distinction from a university with, within my degree. Um, like, I'm actually probably someone that people want to work, like to be working for them. So like, it's gonna be all right. So it was it was really refreshing to kind of take that perspective amidst like this. Oh my, my world is melting down around me. What can I do? And mm. all the stress that just gets created in that environment. Mm. So that obviously you made redundant. What was your sort of what was that next bit of that journey for you? Um, well, I grew up in the um, the Mornington Peninsula, so where Frank Frankston is, and and I kind of have this view of the peninsula is it's somewhere where you're either destined to return to or you'll never go back again. Yeah. So it's 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 almost like I know so maybe some people in country towns. I I can't probably can't really connect it directly, but you, there's just something about the place. So I always said I was always eventually going to come back down to the peninsula and, and and settle, but I didn't think it was going to be to like maybe you know maybe my late thirties when I've got a couple of kids and we want to just you know settle down and all that. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be when I was twenty three and mm -hmm. like in engaged and, and all this kind of stuff. But I, I kind of took set and I said, you know, well, why don't I choose the job I want as opposed to take the one that's offered to me? So I had a couple of offers in the CBD, which I, I knocked back. Um, and then I was away for the weekend with my mate and, and, and his, um, his girlfriend and my fiance. And, and we were talking about um, where would you want to work if you could choose? And I said, well, I did work experience at this place back in the day in Frankston uh, called Flinders Partners. And I, I remember enjoying that time. Yeah, I was like 14 at the time. Do you remember time. what you enjoyed about it? N no. Like I just, all I can remember is there was something positive about it. I, I think it was more just like, maybe it was like, oh, the first experience of like the, the working business world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like the boss yelled at me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I remember, you know, being able to do things on computers like way back then and, and stuff that interested me. So I'm like, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind working there. It's on the peninsula. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like maybe I can fast forward this, this transition. So 
Um, I said that, and then that was it, left it at that, and 24 hours later, my phone rings from a recruiter, and the recruiter goes, oh, hi, Andrew, um, look, uh, I've just been chatting to this firm in Frankston, they're really interested in meeting you, and I'm like, oh, who are they? They're like Flinders Partners. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I, I speak it out loud, and 24 hours later, I have someone on the phone saying, Flinders Partners wants to talk to you, and went for an interview, and then a couple of weeks later, I had a job, which was awesome. Yeah, and so what did you start doing? Was it just accounting work because you dropped into that new role? Yeah, definitely. Look, it was it was um, more of the same, but within a different environment. So, you know, once you step out of a KPMG and you go to a small firm, mm. these guys were about 20 to 25 kind of staff in total mixed between admin directors and, and accounting staff. Um, so you're kind of doing smaller scale people, but you're also probably dealing with people a lot more than you would at KPMG. Mm. KPMG, there's a lot of layers. And like, if you're talking to someone, it means you've been around for long enough that they allow you to do so. Or at least that was my experience. Um, you know, with Flinders Partners, there was a little bit of that, but it was more like, well, hey, that person needs to be talked to, and I'm busy, so can you just talk to them, mm. kind of thing. So there was a lot more exposure to some of that, um, and there was probably a lot more responsibility given to me. Um, after about three years' time, I was managing their workflow, and I was, um, you know, bringing in clients of my own um, and doing some larger scale consulting things from time to time, just things that weren't really accounting, but kind of clients needed as well. Mm. How did you um, get into that particular aspect of it? Because obviously, coming from KPMG, I'd imagine to be pretty set in terms of what you learn and what you know and then how did you make that transition then into doing other other aspects outside of that to, to be honest I like it wasn't something I planned it was just the client needed it and and I just had this view of well if it's something you need to get done I will find a solution for you this whole problem solution kind of thing. Do you have an example maybe you could take us through exactly what um, that might have yeah, been? Yeah so anti-money laundering so oh, okay. um, like I had a couple of clients that were like pubs and clubs and they had TABs and they had poking machines and there was this legislation was in place like fearing the terrorists that you know there's going to be someone that's going to have all this money that's going to come, come in put it in a poking machine and then take it out as winnings and then all of a sudden they've just laundered their money and mm -hmm. it's now clean money so there's all these there were all these things that they had to do to prove that they had processes in place so we had a couple of clients that didn't have them in place mm -hmm. so we just consulted with them and helped to say this is what you need to do now as a result of that mm -hmm. so it, it had something to do with money but it mm -hmm. actually had nothing to do with it at the same time and how do you go about how do you go about figuring that out it, was it just a matter of okay now I've got a problem just jump on Google and try to it was like the Google machine. Like yeah. so, so what it was is the the partner of the client said, "Hey, hey, Andrew, this is something we're now going to do." Mm -hmm. So I didn't find that I didn't go, "Hey, there's a problem here. We need to solve it." It was him saying, "Here's a problem. We're going to solve it. Can I get you to do it? Can you just come back to me and tell me what needs to be done?" Kind mm -hmm. of thing. And I guess that was, um, I mean, in those days when I was the accountant and not the not the business owner, like I'm like, "Sweet, I'm going to spend heaps of time trying to figure this out now because I've been told to figure it out." Um, so I just would go through Google and pick up the phone and call like the various different govern organizations mm. that are in charge of that or speak to the client directly about what it is and then go okay now I now I have a good enough understanding of what needs to be achieved I'm really going to put together a basic process and let's do it mm. and um, hopefully it's worthwhile and hopefully the client is willing to pay for it and away it went and so there was there were a few different occasions we did that for a couple of clients and there was um, a few other things in terms of like um, you know just some risk um, assessments for clients in terms of how they do their processes mm -hmm. and, and just little things that started kind of taking me a little bit, only very small, still a, the bulk of what I did was still compliance. Um, but little tiny things that were taking me out of the compliance world and into more of like the business's shoes and mm -hmm. what they're actually going through and, and the, the problems that they're facing and how we can maybe add a solution for that. Mm. And how was your take of that, obviously, as you were starting to get those little opportunities? What was something you were probably drawn to naturally, I would assume? And, oh, look, I loved it. Like, you know, it was problem solving. I, I, loved, um, I loved being able to take something different. Like, I've got a bit of a, a almost an ADHD kind of like, uh, like personality. I, I've never been diagnosed, but my mum probably thinks I do. 
Um, but like, so I always get really distracted by things. But if something new and shiny comes across, I'm mm. going to be like, ooh, something new and shiny. This is interesting. It's different. I want to sink my teeth into it. So mm. it's very attractive for me because it wasn't the same thing that mm. I was doing day in and day out that I'd become really good at doing. But at the same time, it was the same thing. So it was like, hey, here's something that's similar but different that can still make you enjoy what you do. Mm. Did you ever feel that... that Undiagnosed ADHD was a bit of a, a bit of a challenge for you as you went through your previous field, your previous career. Or oh, look, I say undiagnosed ADHD. I say it more of a joke than yeah. anything, and I, respectfully, it's a joke. Of but, but um, I don't know. Like, there's pros and cons to it, right? Yeah. You know, so the, the the con of it, you know, the experience when I got sacked from the the clients for doing bookkeeping because mm. I, I was constantly. You know, what was drawing my attention. Um, other things from a positive perspective is like I, I will notice little things here that other people may not notice mm. and be able to pick that up and deal with that as a result of something that catches my eye and then going, I'm going to focus on that really quickly. Mm. Um, it doesn't help when you're trying to get one thing done and there's 20 things that are yelling at you at the same time. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's just something you, you, you work with and you get better at, how do I get this thing done now? Yeah, absolutely. I asked that question really because I think even for myself as well too, I've sort of got my, I sort of have my tendencies as well too. I, uh, when say I'm 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 uh, I'm easily distracted, but if I get an idea that pops in my head, I feel I need to answer it. I need to I need to figure it out, or I need to do something about that. So uh, I did a I did a blog a while back about meditation because meditations helped me just to chill out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Sort of you know I think of I think I use the analogy of trying to explain that sometimes my brain feels like it's got forty tabs open at any one time, right? <laughs> and and I end up trying to do I end up trying to do one thing and it's a simple thing, but it takes me probably five times as long because I'm trying to do all these things, right? Yep. And I go down all these paths. Yep. But one thing I've realized is that there's 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 strengths and weaknesses to it. So how can I how can I manage the weaknesses, essentially, how can I try to diminish it and try to, you know, meditate and try to just chill out a little bit more and try to calm the mind and, and mm. really try to think about things when they pop into my head instead of just jumping out right away. Yep. But at the same time, I think it's a great asset because just inherently, probably like yourself, I've just kind of pursued these seemingly unrelated or just these different things. And I feel now when I speak to people or I'm in situations, I have just this sort of body of useless knowledge that every once in a while I can pull it out yeah, and go, yeah, totally. oh, I know the answer to hey, that. I, I, yeah. I looked at that one one time. I don't know why I did, but yeah. now I can actually add some something of value and I mean for me like you know like you said the 40 tabs open your head like I'll get to the end of the day and there'll be 40 tabs open <laughs> but I want to go home to my wife and my daughter yeah so I'm like crap I still have these 40 unfinished tasks right now and if I go home right now none of it will get done mm. so it's it's about for me it's about working on when an idea pops is this something I should be pursuing mm. or is it something I need to ignore totally or is it something I need to write on a piece of paper and whack it on somewhere or whatever or, or chuck it in um, you know, a to-do list mm -hmm. and worry about it later when I've got the headspace to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Th that sort of revelation, obviously we talked about that earlier, You're, you have an even interesting office configuration which is sort of conducive to that but were you sort of aware of that very early on or was it, were you still kind of just chasing the ideas? Look, How did that evolution kind of go? Um, oh, look, it's probably been like the last probably six to 12 months that it has evolved. Like as you get busier and busier and your business grows and grows and more people are relying on you, all of a sudden it means that more things are being thrown at you. Mm. Uh, and additionally, I remember um, a person telling me a while ago, like uh, I don't know how factually true this is, but I feel that's quite quite spot on is that um, we only have the ability to manage seven quality relationships at a point mm. in time. So from a business perspective, there's seven quality relationships with clients that I can manage, which means that the thousand other clients that I've got, I'm not able to give them the same amount of attention Attention. Mm. So I started coming to this realization of that I can only care for certain people to the extent that I want to. So therefore, 
there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to be let down. Mm-hmm. So what do I then do with that? Like, how do I, what, what do I put in place to ensure that I'm not letting them down? So mm-hmm. whether that's having, so like, so you mentioned my office, like I've just recently, I put a, a new screen up, which is going to be literally my just to-do list. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly reminded of the things that I'm supposed to be doing, as opposed to the things that pop up all the time. that I'm like, Ooh, look at the shiny <laughs> thing. Let's go and do that. Yeah. And I've just spent four hours, you know, um, researching how, what Polaroid camera I want to buy because we're going to take photos of our clients with Polaroids <laughs> instead of actually developing, you know, the educational um, program that we're trying to put together mm-hmm. for some of our startup clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'm just curious. Just to this is something even just for myself as well too. I'm curious. At what point did you did you try to manage that instead of trying to suppress that? If that makes sense. So um, to to sort of you know put those structures in place instead of because this is something maybe for myself. I've always thought that it, that a key to success is I need to be focused on one thing and one thing at a time, and that that habit that I've just described is actually detrimental to success. Right? I'm doing air, I'm doing air quotes. Success, yeah. right? Um, how do you how did how did you sort of rationalize and try to grapple with that idea of how to use that for um, as a strength and not, not not letting the weakness sort of come into play? Yeah, well, I think I mean if you want you want to lead it on the strength side of things, it's a matter of. Um, if I sit on one thing for a long period of time, the quality of what I do will not be good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will become, after a period of time, I will become slightly bored with it, mm-hmm. or it will become quite monotonous, or I will I will lose the level of focus that's required to do it well. Mm-hmm. So having that almost kind of like slightly, oh, here's a nice shiny little thing, it's that distraction that you can kind of refresh and reboot yourself. Whether it's, you know, going up and going for a walk outside just to refresh your mind, whether it's, you know grabbing a can of Coke or a coffee or whatever your poison is just to have that little break or whether it's for me sometimes it's like I'm going to research for half an hour what Polaroid camera I want to buy and trying not to make it four hours and just Mm. keeping it to half an hour what that means is then when I pick up that work again I'm hopefully refreshed and potentially I've come up with an idea Mm. in the midst of looking for the Polaroid camera because it's something so totally different as opposed to being so immersed in what it is you're doing you can't have a different perspective on it so I have found that if I try to do just the one thing, it will get done, but it won't be done well, mm. and I won't enjoy my day. Mm. But if I focus on trying to get one thing, but I let little things through from time to time to kind of just keep me inspired and keep me interested in the day, I will get that one thing done, and maybe a tiny little thing here and there, but I'll walk home in a much better mood than I would otherwise. Yeah, I love that you said that as well too, because that's something as well too that obviously my listeners know, and obviously you're learning, I'm a big Tim Ferriss fan. I take a lot of inspiration, a lot of uh, a lot of learning from a lot of the guests he has, and, and there was a few of them that talk about this idea that if you're trying to, if you're working on a challenge or a problem, it's to, to, to intently focus on that and try to just download as much as possible and then completely let it go. And so I know a few of them wait to the next day, some of them do unrelated activities. And I've noticed as well too that I think for this podcast, it's been sort of my own venture. I've kind of done the same thing as well too. So when I was thinking about how do I, how do I sort of have the vision statement or the mission statement, this really concise, sexy little bit of just, and this is people kind of get automatically of mm. what I, my why kind of thing. It's something that I, I pondered over for a long time and then I just went, okay, I'm, I'm done thinking about it. I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to stop. And then I remember it was about two days later, all of a sudden I just, it just came to me. It just, I, out of seemingly nowhere, popped into my head and I had to grab my phone out, Google Docs, front page, yep. grabbed it, wrote it down and went, yes. 
that's it. That's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And it's been something I've been trying to work on and foster as I think of ideas and, mm. and, and you know, whether it be new or different ways to solve it, but trying to, yeah, let those little things through. It's a challenge because I try to get too yeah. distracted. But my why is the exact same story as well. Like I, I'd been, you know, constantly going through the question is how do I, how do I break down what it is that I'm about? Mm. And, and this, and, and you, you write phrases and you're like, that's just what everyone else says. Yeah. And that's not what I really think. Or that's just what the presenter was saying. Mm. Or like, it's like, and it just never happened. But I'm like, you know what? Like, I can't force this thing. Let's just let it happen naturally. Let's be, let's let it be inspirational. And if it's when I'm sitting in the sh- like standing in the shower or sitting on the toilet when it <laughs> happens, then so be it. But let it be what it is, yeah. as opposed to try and recreate and force this sausage machine thing out. Which is why I find you know allowing distractions to be part of my day is mm. actually beneficial and um, much more enjoyable. Absolutely. Mm. So, so going back to, uh, to, to Partners, so you were there for a couple of years, but I think as we were speaking about earlier, you were starting to, uh, you, you were starting to want something else, I guess is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I'd been there for a few years. I, I had, you know, some more responsibilities within the team and, you know, there's a potential future opportunity still for me to grow within it, but I was kind of at the pointy end in terms of the rest of the other staff in the business. And so then that was me thinking, well, the only real step for me to take is to move potentially into ownership, partnership, mm-hmm. directorship, whatever that looked like. And I'm kind of, I was looking up at the, the ownership there and, you know, as much as I respect the guys and, and, and this, I, I actually visited them the other day, went to the office and said hi and caught up with them. Um, I was kind of like, I'm not sure this is the environment that's going to be right for me. And, and why did you think that? Why wasn't it right for you? I, I appreciate open conversation, transparency, and I appreciate people being truthful in things. And I also appreciate like my opinion actually mattering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I had the, my feeling was that in that environment, if I stepped into that position, that um, whilst it was a partnership, there was a controlling interest within that partnership. Mm -hmm. And that whilst I may have an opinion, that opinion may not be regarded as who, who cares? You you have a lower opinion. You can't, you have a lower vote. Um, You know, what I say goes kind of thing. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I, what I assumed it was going to be like. Now, rightfully or wrongfully, that was an assumption I made. And I kind of went, okay, well, I'm not sure I want to operate in that. Like, I don't see that as uh, a, a true definition of what a partnership should look like. Mm. I don't see it as what a business partner should look like. Um, so therefore, I need to find a way to um, either be comfortable with that or pivot and transition into something different, whether that is still within accounting or whether that was something totally different. So I um, kind of was at that point and then I went, all right, well, I can't really think of this because I'm at, at, the, at the time I'm 26 years old and I have been working as an accountant for eight years. Mm. So therefore, and I've never done my own business. And like I wasn't, at that point in time, I would not have considered myself to be entrepreneurial at all. And why not though? Why, why don't you really, why, didn't, why doesn't that really, why didn't you think that stuck with you or identified with that at, at all? At that point in time, yeah. I just done, because I was good with numbers and problem solving. So mm. I, just, I was just doing that. I was doing what I was told when an opportunity was presented instead of actually me going, I'm going to try and create an opportunity. Mm. I have an idea, let's make something of this. I just never really kind of had thought of that I often played it very safe um, I yeah I just I, it just wasn't a thing for mm-hmm. me so I so I of some mentoring at the time I kind of went I caught up with a couple of guys that I knew that I respected and I said hey um, so I'm at this stage of my career 
um, I feel like I need someone to help guide me through this next stage so I can make the right decision. You know, I didn't want to make it then and there. I wanted to sleep on it, like, mm. like you mentioned earlier. Like, I want to give some time before I made that decision. But I want someone who maybe has some wisdom to speak into mm. that. So these two people that I caught up with both suggested that I catch up with the same person. Hey, there is this guy. His name is Jason. He's an accountant. He's been doing the things for a while. He's 10 years older than, than you, so he's 36 at the time. Um, I th- we think there'd be a lot of value for you to catch up with him. So I'm like, yeah, sweet. That sounds great. So we caught up for a, a coffee. I don't drink coffee. He, drink, he drank coffee. I drank I'd run out of juice or something like that. Um, uh, one morning before work um, at a cafe just far enough away that I was confident there was going to be no one else mm. rocking in from my office. Uh, and we just caught up and we just, I just downloaded who I was and what I was about and what I, what I felt. And I was starting to get ideas about what an accountant looked like at that time. Do you and, remember what you said? Yeah, so at, at that time, I was like, um, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit sick and tired of stereotypes that are thrown on me as an accountant. You know, people, people um, for far too long in our industry um, sit behind a desk, wear the power tie, and throw mm. out three-letter acronyms that confuse people. Um, and the, the advice that's given is not value-based. Like, we're not helping people. We're just keeping them out of jail. Mm. Now, that is helping people, but is it really helping people? Mm. So, um, I was a little bit annoyed. Like, I was kind of at that point, I'm like, this is kind of what I, what I see. I, I feel like there's, there's got to be more. As soon as I started thinking about, you know, I don't think this place is for me, and I started thinking about what else could be, I'm like, there's got to be more to this mm. than just lodging a tax return and getting someone a refund. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing, but there's got to be more. And so like, we had that chat and, and it was really like, you know, talking about these coincidences about, you know, when I picked up the job at KPMG or when I got made redundant, this was another one of them where, so catching up with Jason and he's like, it's just, it's so crazy that I'm seeing with you. I've literally been talking to my wife lately about, I need to find someone who literally has everything that you do. I mm-hmm. want someone who used to work big four. I want someone who's worked um, in a small business environment in accounting. I, I want someone who's young and energetic. I want someone who's going to challenge certain things. And you kind of fit the bill because he's, he, what he was doing, he was um, kind of CFO advisory, um, kind of management financial accounting side of things, but he was picking up a growing client base that required compliance and small business stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I've got this growing thing. I need someone to look after it and grow that. So um, within, I think it was two months, it may have even been less, maybe more like a month and a half, we had started up Illuminate Partners. Mm. Uh, and Illuminate Partners was going to be a small business compliance machine. Mm. Um, not machine, we, we, we very much were adamant that it wasn't going to be a sausage factory. But um, that was it. So I... I um, uh, I resigned within a week. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, within a week, I put in my resignation um, and said, uh, you know, you know, thanks a lot. But I'm moving on. I remember putting, I remember putting the letter in the the lead um, director's um, in tray, and then putting in a meeting request at like 10 a.m. So I can like, <laughs> meet. I'm like, hey, I, I want to come talk, but he wasn't there when I put it in there. So. I uh, put it in there, I'm sitting in my office, and then my phone rings at like 9.15, and it's like him. And he's like, hey, Andrew, um, just reading your letter. Do you want to pop in and have a chat? And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. All right, uh, so we walk on in, and he's like, so what's going on? So I'm like, so, you know, I'm thinking, and, and it was really weird. It was this really weird environment, and this is probably one of the reasons why I didn't want to pursue there. It was like, ah, oh, so I guess there's nothing we can do here then. Oh, well. <laughs> and that was it. Like yeah. he didn't fight for it. He didn't like, hey, you know, what can we do to keep you here? We really value you as a person. Like mm-hmm. what you bring here is something that we, we really enjoy. So for me, it was kind of like, well, I'm just someone that makes you money. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the feeling I kind of got. So that was, it was interesting. And then I told, I told you know, throughout the day, people started um, kind of hearing that that was the case. And some people were really excited. Holy crap, you're, you're starting an accounting firm. That's crazy. 
Uh, other people were kind of like, I'm sorry, what? Mm. You're a 26 year old that's starting mm. an accounting business. Um, sorry, you're not old, fat, and grey yet. Like yeah. you need to, you need to wait your time. Yeah, before your stripes, yeah. poundage, and grey hairs to before yeah. you can do that. Totally. So I want to I want to go back just for just back up for a sec though. So you you sat down with uh, Jason. You would kind of obviously developed a real uh, synergy between your needs and what you're looking to do. How was your conversation with your partner to, to go back to your what, I think your wife at that point and to yep. say, sweetie, I've uh, I've got a great job. I'm doing well. I'm on track to take on an ownership stake, but uh, I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go uh, start a business. How was that conversation? My wife is amazing in that she just trusts me implicitly yeah. with everything. So, uh, which has its pros and cons, but <laughs> for her, um, but she was just like, "Look, like, so, like, it wasn't like a this is going to happen. It's happening. It's mm. like, hey, this is something that's presented itself. I, we haven't decided if it's something we're going to pursue, but it's an option." Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was very much like, "All right, well, let's sit on it and like let's let's see what feeling we get out of mm. that." You know, so we, we're, we've got a bit of a faith background as well. So let's kind of sit and pray on that as well, and let's see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it was all positive, and we're like, "All right, let's do it." Let's like do it. it was like, you know, you, you're 26. If you stuff up now, you got plenty of time to fix it up. Um, you know, so what's the worst that could happen? Well, the worst could happen is that it doesn't work. Um, and I just have to get another job. Mm. Like we've got a little bit of savings. My wife had a job at the time, you know, okay, sure, let's do it. Mm. And that was literally it. So just to dive into this process, cause I think, I, I think from my journey though, so far is, and, and part of what probably my listeners have heard is, you know, I've met, I've met an absolute ton of people out there who are incredibly smart, incredibly passionate, have amazing ideas, but there's this sort of fear of failure of, of taking a step of, of leaving your well-paying job to go on and try to chase your dream, chase adventure, try to do something. I'm just kind of curious, just for, just for listeners from a bit of a tactical point of view, beyond having that conversation and obviously kind of sleeping on it, coming back to it, was there any sort of strategies you used? Did you pro cons listed or anything else you might have? put in yeah. play before really sinking, really pulling the trigger on it? I'd love to give you my seven tips to deci- making a decision <laughs> on how to start up a business. But for me, it was it was literally like, I'm 26 and yeah. I'm about, I you know, if I can make more money, that's great. And I was like, well, I know that I can charge a client X dollars, mm-hmm. like if it's my own business, and I get all of that. Sweet, let's do it. Like mm-hmm. that was literally like the basis of, okay, what that means is if I can earn, let's call it 200 bucks an hour consulting, um, and I'm earning 80 grand at the moment, mm. then I only have to work this many hours a week and I'm going to still earn it. I'm like, mm. that's, that's got to be, like, that can't be a hard thing. Like, like there's got to be people out there. And we, we had a very, very small client base at the time. Like, we, I think we had about twenty to 30,000 of, of fees that, like, Jason and myself were able to pull together. Mm. So it was nothing. Like, it, it wasn't enough to pay mortgage or eat and like, that kind of thing. But it was something. And we just kind of just had this belief of, like, you know, field of dreams. If you build it, they will come kind of mm. thing. Like, as soon as you create capacity, people will go, oh, hey, can you help me out with something? Mm. And that was kind of our approach. Jason said, look, I'll, I'll uh, front up some cash early on to make sure that you can pay your mortgage and your family can eat, but we'll do that for a period of time. And then after that, we're going to cut you loose and away you go. So Jason was still, you know, doing his CFO and his consulting side of things and we started this thing together. So it was very much on me to go, all right, well, if I want to, you know, start earning money again, we need to find work. We need to get stuff in. And, and um, whether that was via Jason's network or my own network or it's something totally brand new, mm. it was something like we have to do it. But yeah, the decision was like a dollar per hour multiplied by the number of hours I would have to work per mm. week equals this much. Therefore, all I have to do is, I think it was, I think it worked out if I work, 
six hours a week, mm-hmm. I could potentially earn the same. Yeah. Now, in my naivety, that's like six hours per week with no expenses. Yeah. <laughs> and because, no, when you start up a business, you have no expenses. Yeah. So that'll be fine. And all I have to do is that. And I'll make crap loads of money. I, I'm, I, I remember sitting there going, oh, I could earn $300,000 this year. <laughs> like, like little naive yeah. old me. But like, that, was, that was the decision. I'm like, oh, I can do it. Stuff it. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, like what, what's there to lose? Mm. So is it 20, 26 year old, 27, yep. 26, 27. 26. So you, you, you started an accounting firm as a, uh, a young man with a great beard. Um, Thank you. How was your, how was your transition to that then? How did people actually perceive you as a 26 year old in a very gray, you know, large stomach, you know, expensive mm. Merc sort of environment that you typically would do. Well, firstly, I didn't have a beard, so that took oh. about five years to grow, so um, <laughs> that was that was there. But look, I, I uh, one of my fondest memories from starting up Illuminate was, um, I think it was oh, six months in, in the middle of summer, I think it was a week of like 40 degree days, it was like killer. I, I, where we were living at the time in Dramano was effectively my home office. My business partner was operating out of his, which was about a 25-minute drive away slash at on-client premises. Mm. And um, I was working out of our spare room, which didn't have air conditioning, a house, which didn't have air conditioning. Um, and like I remember sitting in my underpants, sweating my ass off, talking to someone on the phone who was worth at least $100 million net value. Mm. Like, I remember clearly having this conversation about his tax stuff that we were doing yeah. and hanging up the phone and looking at myself drenched in sweat in my underpants going this is ridiculous <laughs> like if only people could have like a little camera and see what's going on yeah. right here um, but for me I think what I learned is like if you can communicate well and you don't come across like a 26 year old now I'm not saying that you have to come across like a like a well schooled 51 year old who can speak all the language mm. but if you can hold a conversation with someone and you can connect with them and, sh- and be authentic in who you are, mm. I don't think it matters how old you really are, provided that you know what you're doing. Mm. You know? So if I didn't know what I was doing, like accounting and tax and, and advice, then they, they would see right through that. But I knew what I was doing and I could hold a conversation. Mm. I think that was the biggest thing for me was starting to do that. And then, um, and then just continuing to slowly pick up client here, client there, and all of a sudden that became clients here, clients there. Mm. Um, and once people start seeing you do good things, um, I believe a lot of those barriers get removed. It's very hard early on. Um, I remember my business partner, one of the things um, he said to me, Jace, and I, I, I hated this, but he's like, people never took me seriously until I was, I don't know, 30 or 35 or until I started going bald, kind of was this statement. I was like, yeah, but that's not me. I don't mm-hmm. want to be that guy that has to follow the same path that everyone's fine, fo- like done. Like, how can I make that my path how can I do this differently how can I fast forward to be where you're at at the age of 40 when I'm at the age of 30 mm-hmm. how can I be there where you're at the age of 50 and I'm the age of 35 how can I make that happen because just because that's why it's always been done there's got to be a better way to do it problem solution what's the problem well probably is everyone thinks I have to be 50 to do this what's the solution I'll prove them I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll become a better communicator I'll become I'll focus on certain things within our business that will do really well, and then we can do that, and, mm. and, and just evolved out of that. Yeah. Do you think you had a bit of an unfair advantage as well, too, of being a 26-year-old, dealing with an average age of structure and your competitors of 40, 50, 60-plus? Uh, yes and no. So, Jace was my business partner, so like, if we ever needed, we, we had this joke, if anyone was over the age of 40, Jace got involved in the conversation, <laughs> just from the early days in terms of relationship yeah. forming. But uh, after a while, that, that, that went. So, uh, because Jason was around, no, but um, 
at the same time, yeah, like definitely, like I was in a meeting the other day with a, a really wise, very smart accountant who had to be 70-ish um, uh, with his client and one of my clients who were doing a, a business deal together. Um, and the things that were coming out of his mouth was the same way it's always been done. Mm. And I'm trying to throw little things here and there out, but it's very much like, you know, he looks at me in jeans, a t-shirt, and is like, hmm, like you, you haven't cut your teeth enough, and there's there's very much this respect aspect of, of accounting and business as well. Like it's and it and rightfully so. Like you know, you you only know certain things if you've gone through it, mm. or if you've studied your ass off to do that. And both of those things take time. But at the same time, you know, what if I actually happen to know about that? What mm. if I have gone through that? What if what I'm suggesting could be done? Let's not discount it straight away. Let's think about it. So. Yeah, look, there's been there's been a few moments here and there. The last couple of years, I haven't even noticed it, to be honest. Probably mm. the first two, three years of, of, of the business being up and running, I was very, I was personally conscious of it. Whether it actually was a thing, though, I don't know. Mm. Like, you know how sometimes you think there's an issue, but yeah. really there's no issue? I think it was more that. I think it was more just me going, when I left Flinders Partners, a couple of people looked at me sideways because I was 26 and starting this business, and therefore that's what everyone was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas maybe what it really was is a couple of people looked at me sideways, but the rest of people went, you go for it. Yeah. Hey, good on you. And it just so happened to be that everyone else was thinking that, but I was a little bit judgmental and skeptical thinking that they all hated me or something. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think, I think we'll probably cycle back around this um, shortly as well too, because I know for yourself, obviously, this is a really important aspect and a really big differentiator but just to go back for a sec so you start the business you got obviously you managed to find yourself in office what were those early few years like was it just starting to find yourself in terms of you knew what you did as a core and a service and what to build clients and uh, what was that sort of those early couple years like when you started to sort of find your feet yeah look the early couple of years it was interesting so a lot of the work that we were picking up was through Jason's network, mm-hmm. um, through a bunch of really quality relationships that he had with people, and our business wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that, um, which was phenomenal. So there was a lot of, for me personally, trying to build a personal network, and mm-hmm. I, I hate networking. I hate, well, at least the traditional version of networking. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's for me, it's just, it's cheesy and fake, and and it's just people trying to make money out yeah. of people. There is value in it, and people that do it, I you know, so be it. It's it's your call, but it just didn't work for me. So there was a lot of work trying to do that. Um, we found an office, which we're currently sitting in now after about 12 just, months. Just to go back for a sec then. So what you just said, I think, is most people's very much feeling. It's very transactional. You go there with a handful of business cards and you come out with a certain number of business cards and you, you hope they land an amount of leads. How did you, how did you develop your network then? How did you develop that, that referral base or, or those relationships then? Oh, to be honest, I didn't really chase much of it. Like um, Corey, who you mentioned at the very start, like we've got a, a quality relationship with him and his business partner, James, and um, James got in touch with me. And I typically would avoid people when they're like, hi, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. Let's <laughs> catch up for a coffee and chat. I'm like, you just want money from me. But the way they went about it was a lot more genuine. Mm. So I guess for me, building my network was about well, I'm going to need to work with people. Mm. So how do I make sure I like the people that I work with? And how do I make sure that I'm comfortable with them? So that if I have a client that needs something, that I can refer that through. So that was kind of that first take of like, okay, let's recognize and, and respect the fact that we need to have these relationships in Bath. And I can't just be this, you know, gung-ho young kid that like says, you know, F you everybody, I'm going to do yeah. it my own way. So let's respect that. And then, then coming on from that, it was just, doing good work and being a nice person. Mm. Like um, being genuine who you are, caring for people, 
going that extra little mile, you know, making a phone call um, at six o'clock at night when you just had a missed phone call at 5.45 instead of going, sorry, I clock off at 5.30. Like just those little, those little things started to develop and, and people started to like really appreciate that, that and getting stuff done quickly, Mm. um, (laughs) which I didn't really realize was a thing until, until a little while ago where I had like one client who's like, um, uh, can you hook me up with a lawyer? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Here's some details. Have a chat with them. I've had some great experiences. And then like a day later, I'm talking to him on the phone about something different. He's like, oh, I haven't heard back from that lawyer yet, which is really weird because it's only been like 14 hours, but I'm so used to how you do things <laughs> yeah. and, and it's dealt with straight away and you, you, your team just does things. Like, it's like you, you've made me expect this. So I think that was a lot of that. Network was like, Andrew and his team will care for you and they'll make sure it gets done as quick as they possibly can. Mm. And those two things combined just kind of naturally happened. And so was that just a projection of who you were essentially and, and what you wanted to and instilling those yeah. values into the business from a customer service point of view? Yeah, look, and I guess early days we didn't have as much work to do, right? So it means I could get it <laughs> done easier, quickly. Yeah. Like these days it's a, it's a little bit harder but we have a bigger team so we can handle it. But um, So it was a bit like that and definitely like, you know, if you talk about the undiagnosed ADHD, that means I'm quick, 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 let's move things, let's get it done. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of that but the, the biggest thing was the caring and the like being a real person like let's recognize and, and that someone is going through something at the moment and they need help and it's stressful so let's honor that and let's do something to help that so taking it to a more of a human perspective as opposed to a transactional you need to lodge your tax turn or you need this thing done for you it's like what it, what's the issue that's presenting itself mm. at the moment you have uncertainty okay how can i make sure that you have certainty now okay all i need to do is lodge a tax turn i'm going to give you certainty now mm-hmm. so it was, it was looking at what we did but from a different perspective and where do you think you got that perspective from is that fostered at all through anybody or instilled in you in any way jason jason definitely had uh, like from a customer service aspect he had some really key things on how we need to be treating and caring for our people um i think um, I think a lot of that as well has just been a natural evolution just in terms of friendship groups that I've gone through. Mm. Like I said, I've got a faith-based background as well. So coming through organizations where um, like they give away a lot of things and they help a lot of people and, and it's very selfless in the way they go about things. I think a lot of that has kind of been personally instilled in me as I've grown up. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a selfless person, but I'd say there's an aspect of within me that goes, I want to be helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really good. Mm. Sometimes. <laughs> Other times it, it, it doesn't work. But yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, obviously, it balances out, comes out in the wash. More pros and cons, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So going back a little bit then too. So I think one of, one of the things we've been talking about is that you were really looking for somewhere that was authentically you. And you can obviously break down those sorts of barriers of the, the, the 50-year-old balding, slightly overweight accountant kind of thing. But I think... What you've done here is actually even go beyond that. I'd love to talk a bit more about the sort of the cultural evolution of Luminate Partners and and sort of how those values we've talked about and those things you wanted began to manifest itself in the business. Just talking about those those mm. early days of of figuring out who you are, mm. who really who you are and what you do, and yep. getting the staff in and that sort of aspect where cool. people probably listening who either are on that journey, have a business, or are looking to have a business, or maybe even in business trying to foster that themselves. Sure. So. Um, we always talked about at Illuminate that we had a really good culture, um, but when we think about that, that was just as saying, well, there's a bunch of people that rock up to work and don't punch on. Mm. So we didn't actually know what that meant, firstly. Um, probably the second, the biggest thing happened, so uh, 18 months ago, I bought Jason, my business partner, out. So he's no longer my business partner. He now is on my board of, of advisors, and I meet with him quarterly, and he 
gives me hugs or slaps me around the cheek or gives me <laughs> high fives, depending on what's going on in the business. Yeah. So I bought him out, um, which was a really positive experience, and I shat my pants big time at the same time because all of a sudden this was my thing. Um, but it took me about three to four months to figure that out. So I remember sitting in my office one day, like feeling like banging my head, head against the wall going, why isn't this stuff happening? This stuff should be happening and it's not. Jason, why aren't you? And then had to catch myself going, hold on, Jason's not here anymore. I need to replace his name with Andrew every time I want to say something. Andrew, why aren't you doing this? Andrew, why aren't you thinking about this? Andrew, why haven't you done this? Um, And I was like, ah, all right, this is my thing. All right, I need to take ownership on that. And then at the very same time, I was like, what am I taking ownership (laughs) of? Like, I've never thought about who Illuminate is. We've just done what we've done as a natural evolution of what people need and what we felt we could deliver. Mm. So it was kind of like this whole, holy crap, what, what am I steering? Is it a boat? Is it a bus? Is it an airplane? Is it a helicopter? What is this thing? Um, at the very same time, I went to Sri Lanka um, with my wife and my almost two-year-old, which was a really cool thing to do when you've got an almost two-year-old and you go to a country which has got really peaceful Buddhist temples mm. and your daughter wants to yell and scream and run around the place. <laughs> but um, at that point, you know, we, we're a very much technologically-based firm. We're 100% in the clouds. Um, most of our clients are 100% in the cloud, if not all of them. Um, and we wanted to put our money where our mouth is because I used to just walk up the stairs and sit behind my desk and work from the cloud at my desk. It's kind of like, what's the point of this? So all right, let's go to Sri Lanka and let's work. Let's run the business whilst we're there. So um, every day I was having video conferences with our team. I was reviewing work. I was um, work, you know, having conferences with um, uh, clients and suppliers and all that kind of stuff, just running the business as you would in the office, which is really cool. So that was a, a really interesting experience because I think those three weeks in Sri Lanka made me realize what this business could be for me. Mm. Oh, I could go to Sri Lanka and have a team of eight in the office and it could still work. I could, I could, you know, I could have this kind of a business and this kind of a lifestyle. So it was me starting to think not only who is Illuminate, mm. but what do I want? Like, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my family interactions to be like? What do I want my work interactions to be like? And how can I create a business that is, um, that is helping to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So I got back from Sri Lanka and went, we need to understand who we are. Um, we had a retreat a couple of months later. We got a branding expert in and we went, you need to unpack our brains and put on paper exactly who we are. And I don't want you to say who I, Andrew, mm-hmm. says we are. I want our team to be a part of that. Because if I'm just the boss and I says, this is who we are, everybody, <laughs> no one's going to buy into mm-hmm. that. I want to hear it from them. And thankfully, what they were saying about who we are was what I was going to say anyway, with a few edits here and there. <laughs> so it was a really positive experience. So we went, okay, we needed to find who Illuminate is. And at this whole same time, I was trying to come up with my why. You know, why? Why Why? Why do we exist? Why, why do I exist? And having a lot of trouble with that. If I can ask, why were you trying to, at that point in your life, try to go through, trying to understand your why? Because this is what people told me I had to do. Uh, like, you know, Simon Sinek wrote a book and everyone's like, dude, Simon Sinek's the coolest thing ever. You need to understand you why if you're a cool business guy it's what you do yeah. right and at to be honest it is like yeah. you like uh, you, once you understand that you're like crap I, I really need to know why I'm doing this so it was initially dr- driven off like you know conversations with people like Corey and James and and other people in my world who did that well mm. and I'm like oh, I really need to be able to find that but then at the same time like this emptiness almost within you is like I don't no, if I have the true purpose behind what I'm doing, I've just done it. And now, mm. now I'm kind of at this crossroad where I'm like, I need to know why I'm doing this. And so it's a personal and a business thing all combined. You know, when you are the sole business owner, your business is you. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, 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 a commercial version of. Um, 
So yeah, so we had our retreat in July. In August, I um, then went and had a couple of day kind of um, business development conference up in Brisbane as well. And like on the morning of day one or day two, I can't remember what day it was, the white dropped mm. for me. And the why for me was, we want our clients to get out of bed every morning so that they can devote their time to what they value the most. Because that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to get out there. In every morning, I'm going to go, what do I want to do today? Not, what do I have to do today? Oh, I've got this staff. I've got this client that needs this thing. I, like, I have to do all these things. I want to be able to get up to bed and go, you know what? I was chatting with um, you know Bob the other day, and he had this uh, interesting idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give him a buzz. I'm going to see if he's got some time. I'm going to hang out with him. Mm. Or, you know what? Sun's out. Gun's out. Let's do it. You mm-hmm. know, Hey, wife, kids, let's go to the beach. Let's just enjoy that. And, and, that's, and that's not from a, all I want to do is like not have to work and mm-hmm. lie on the beach all day long, but it's like, how can I get the most joy and the most experience out of this? And it's kind of creating a lifestyle which allows me to do that, but also then re- representing like, or recognizing that Probably most of my clients also want that too. Like, and often people within their business, they do the things that they do because what they're told they have to do. Mm. You know, your business has to earn however many millions of dollars and has to make whatever kind of margins on their profit, or you know, has to be giving this much to here or paying their stuff, all these kind of things, and doing it all this way. It's just like, yeah, but why? Like, why did you start out in business in the first place? What is it you want to achieve in your life? Mm. And how do we make sure your business is structured to do that? So that was that really big recognition for us, that why. So once we understood that, we'd gone through the branding exercise, and then I started going, you know what? The biggest thing that Illuminate has had going for it for its entirety of who we are is that we're authentic and we're real and we're genuine. Mm. You know, um, I have a beard, I wear jeans and t-shirts, I've worn a suit and tie once in five years to work. And that was because I thought it'd be funny to show the rest of the team that I was going to wear it. Um, you know, like it was like, I, I want to be myself mm. in this space because I'm recognizing that people want that as well. They want to come to someone who's giving them advice and go, the person who's giving me advice is the actual person who's sitting in front of me, not a facade that they've put on to be able to deliver such. Mm. Um, and additionally, I wanted people to be able to respect who I was at any given point in time not when I put the suit and tie on. Now, package, yeah. yeah, yeah, I've got the time. Now I can give you advice, but yeah. I don't have the time. So piss off, leave me alone, yeah. or I've got no idea. You know, I want to bump into people on the street on the weekend, and they go, "Oh, it's Andrew," not like, "Oh, I'm quick, no, leave him alone." He's he's in casual mode. <laughs> so that was really big. So like, let's be authentic to who we are. Now we understand why, and we've gone through a journey to help to define who Illuminate, who Illuminate is and what we're trying to achieve. Mm. And those values and the things that I hold dear about authenticity and personality, um, you know, problem solving, you know, one of our values is we're rebels with a cause. If we see that something needs to be challenged, we want to challenge it, provided there is a positive result that's going to come mm. out of it. So um, that stuff just naturally evolved. And a lot of that was not necessarily me saying, this is who we are. It was like our team here. Like they, they'd already been living it, it but we just had yeah. And, yeah. yeah, we didn't have it written on the wall. Now, we still don't have it written on the wall because I'm not that kind of a guy that has motivational quotes on the wall. This is not me. I, I put whiskey on the wall if yeah. I'm going to do anything, not motivated quotes. Um, but we probably will one day. Um, but it was like, but people know that. But now we've, we've, we've got it defined. Mm. Now we have a document that says that. All of our team have a document that says that. Anyone that walks in the door will get a document that says that. Um, and they will be able to understand that. So they know when they come to work what we're about. Mm. They know that we actually, if I'm sitting here and I'm hearing that my client is having all these issues at home, I need to do everything possible that I can to give them the space so they can do that. Mm. 
and we also have it on lodge tax returns. Mm-hmm. It's this whole like this weird kind of combination of like we're accountants, but really we're like counsellors. Yeah. Uh, and we're recognising that what we can do can make an impact for them. So then we vary away like from lodging tax returns, and all of a sudden we start giving advice with, um, I don't know, um, let's under- help you understand your business and what you're actually doing, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. Well, one thing I find really interesting as well too is that, and and as I've again going back to Tim Ferriss and, and my own journey is that so often when we try to think about a business or try to think about a vehicle to drive in our lives, quite often, if we can really look at the challenges that we've gone through and the issues that we've had and how we've gone about scratching them, it's amazing how there's so many other people out there that probably are having that same challenge as well too. So you talked about yourself, you know, this is what you wanted out of your business. This is how you went about solving it in your business. And once you solve that, how can you sort of package that and roll that into a solution that you can help other people with as well too? And that's sort of, you know, very much with these conversations, I want to, you know, very much believe success leaves clues. And I don't know how many times I've had conversations with people like yourself who have been successful or interesting and noteworthy in all these different ways and gone, that's amazing. Like, uh, that's great. I can take that, that, that idea or that value or that belief or that story, infuse it in my own and help out. And, and very much through my journey, I started to look at other people and have these conversations and they're telling me about a challenge they're going through. And I think, hey, I talked to this guy or talked to this girl, I can take this bit of knowledge or a story and I can help plug it into them. And that's sort of the idea where this podcast came about. And I'm having the same conversation I've had many times, except I get to put a, uh, a recording device in between us and I get to you know deliver a great product out there to help people. Because like I said, you know, I know so many people who are passionate or brilliant or have an amazing idea but there's just something in their mind sort of a a filter an idea a value belief or story or whatever it is that's holding them back from that and by interviewing people like yourself and Jason and others who will be interviewing and uh, now and in the future you can really learn and distill that it's sometimes it's not this big crazy scary journey I mean it's certainly got I'm not saying it's easy as well too but but it's 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 very doable and and so many of those things that obviously you faced other people will face but you know like you even said too you know what's the worst thing that can happen um, you know, really actually facing that. Not, oh my gosh, all these things are going to happen, but, you know, what 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 actually can happen and how do we mitigate that? So I think And if you're comfortable with what's the worst that can happen, then do it. Like, yeah. you know, if it's like, oh, the worst that could happen is I could lose my job, you can, can you get another job? Do you yeah. have skills that could do that? Or if the worst that happened is I'm going to lose my home, I'll have nowhere to, nowhere to sleep. Well, you've got family. Will they let you sleep there? Yeah. Yep. Are you comfortable with that? Go for it. Yeah. Like, um, and you know, that's, you know, sometimes people would say it's reckless. Um, I just think it's just a matter of what, at, at what point are you comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. If I was a financial advisor, I'd sit here and we'd do a risk analysis <laughs> and where do you sit on, yeah. on, on the, the whole risk scale? Are you moderate? Are you conservative? Are you, but what do you think? Like, you know, if you're a risky person, you're going to be willing with um, high repercussions as a result. If you're not a risky person, you're going to be expecting um, a much safer thing. So you may not do that. And it's, everyone, everyone's different and everyone takes it a different path. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too, just on that is that if you do leave your job, nobody can take your experience away from you. Nobody can take what you've learned or your degree or anything else away from you. So yep. you, you, yes, you have you have things to lose, certainly. I don't think many times people really think that they actually don't have as much to lose as possible. In fact, they have probably more to lose by not chasing that and not yep. realizing that. Yep. Um, I don't know how many times I've met people who are, who are ex-entrepreneurs in businesses and they're an amazing employees and quite often they didn't make it or they decided it wasn't for them and that's okay. But what they got out of that experience helps them 
so much more in mm-hmm. terms of where they're at and the value and they're able to manifest you know what they do and, and yeah. what they what makes them happy at such a higher level too so totally. like i know like um you know if I, you look back through your life and you go well in high school i was working my butt off to get a really good score so i could get into university in university i was working my butt off to get a good score so i could be attractive to get an employer an employer i was working my butt off to get more opportunities and blah blah to maybe move into the next thing so i was you know, I was put into this this collateral of education and learning and everything. But once I passed one of those things, everything before didn't make didn't matter anymore. Mm. All of a sudden, it's like like you know, once I got that um, high school score and I was at university, everything in high school didn't matter anymore. Mm. Once I got through university as a job, everything at university didn't matter anymore. So it's all about what is it that I'm doing now to to improve that, as opposed to you know, I've got all this learning, I've banked it, mm-hmm. like it that isn't going to change. Yeah. Nothing, I can't change it. It can't change me. Um, now that's me. Now what am I trying to do now? What's the next step? What's the next hurdle? What's the next thing I've got to learn or grow or, or, or achieve to take me on further on my journey? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that dovetails nicely as well too. So obviously we've talked quite a bit about your journey so far from KPMG, obviously getting made redundant, going into uh, Flinders Partners and sort of that, that, that evolution and kind of going, you know, a little fidgety in the chair, I guess. And then obviously starting Luminate Partners and um, all of the, the ups and downs and sort of the evolutions as that's going on. You're sitting at, I think, what, six years, I think we said? Five, six years? Yeah, six years now. Six yeah. years now? Well, this is the sixth year. Six years. So as you look forward in the next couple of years, where is the future for Illuminate or maybe where's the future for yourself? You know, what what's what, what has you excited about the future mm-hmm. for yourself? Um, I, I feel like we're, we're sitting in the back of a slingshot at the moment. You know, like the, the elastic's been pulled all the way back. We've, we've done a lot of hard work around our branding, our imagery. We've done a lot of hard work about getting the right kind of people. Um, we understand the type of clients we want to work with. We've worked very hard to be um, leaders of the field when it comes to working within accounting and the cloud and also providing advisory services that you wouldn't normally find an accounting, accountant to do. So I feel like we're, we're like ready to just go. Mm. Now, what does Go look like for us? Go look like, for me, I see Go looks like um, providing services even further beyond what an account would do. So one of our team, our practice manager, looks after all our social media and, our, and marketing, all that kind of stuff. And we're now talking about what would it look like if we started providing branding marketing? What would mm. it look like if we started helping clients write pitch decks? What would <laughs> it like, like, look like if we started helping clients to do that kind of thing? Because we have gone through it before. Mm-hmm. And the, every time I look to tack on something that we're going to do within Illuminate, it's like, have we done it? Mm. Have we done it well? Can people learn from what we've gone through? Mm. If we tick, 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 then we're going to think about, okay, that's something we do. So, I, I mean, I see the future for Illuminate looking like a multi-service offer, offering. At the moment, we provide accounting, bookkeeping, technology, and advisory services. Um, I go, what would it look like if you know we provide marketing services? Mm-hmm. What would it look like if we could um, uh, ha- you know do business coaching well instead of just the people who have a you know a six hour qualification <laughs> in business coaching? Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry to those of you listening who have those <laughs> qualifications. Um, you know, what would it look like if we did all the, all those kind of stuff that you wouldn't expect a business advisor to do, mm. but actually are really important within business? Mm. So that's what I see us. That's what I see the future. But at the same time, my personal view within Illuminate is I, I want this business to not need me. And I've got a date in my phone, um, which is the 30th of June, 2021. 
And that is the day that I want Illuminate not to need me. Because mm. I want to be able to then get out of bed and go, you know what, I'm going to hang out with my staff today. Mm. I'm going to sit and talk and I'm going to help them doing what they do because I don't have to worry about anything else. Mm. Um, or I don't need to be here at all. And it, it could be in a position that I could sell it and I'll be able to maximize that value because there's no risk of transfer. All of a sudden, you know, the previous owner's yeah. gone and stuff goes to hell. So, like, that's that's what I see my the future for Illuminate. I see us, um, you know, we're, we're very um, passionate about um, partnerships and communities and so on. So, uh, at the moment, every time, um, you know, we refer work to someone and if that person wants to pay us a referral commission, we donate 100% of it to charity. Mm. So, we've been able to help launch a social enterprise called Big Little Brush, which I'm a part of, and, and that's... Um, that's providing uh, bamboo toothbrushes and um, therefore using the profits from that for health and hygiene solutions in, in the developing world. Like mm. I, I see Illuminate playing a role in supporting the community outside of just lodging a tax return. Mm. Um, I see us helping, um, helping business owners to become understanding of what it is they actually want to achieve and having a business that's designed to do that instead of what they actually do. Mm. So it's really branching out from that. You know, we're a team of nine now. Um, I, I don't see us getting too much bigger than that locally. Um, you know, maybe we'll push to 12, but who, who knows mm. at the end of the day? Like I, I never thought I'd like own an accounting <laughs> business. Like I, I still kind of like think about how the hell did I get here? Like it's so coincidental everything, but you know, we'll, we'll have, we'll have, we'll have connections all over the place. But, um, yeah, I, I guess our, our, that slingshot is it's ready to go. We're, mm. we're literally um, in, uh, in May, um, we're launching our um, new brand, our new imagery. Um, it's cheeky, it's like, it's, it's street arty, it's, it's us. It mm. is who we really are. And once, like we've been waiting to do that for six months since we've done this whole journey of brand. So once we can let that go, that's just us going to be letting go of the slingshot and away we go because we feel like that is going to connect with people mm. and we are in turn therefore going to be able to connect with people. Mm. Um, and I just can't wait to see what happens out of it. I love as well too, all those additional things you talked about really comes back to that original sort of statement about what you want to do for clients, isn't mm. it? Really. It's, mm. just a, it's just a high, higher manifestation or, or more comprehensive totally. way of driving that for people. Yeah, so. it's like we want you to get out of bed and do whatever you want. So that means you have to have a website that's got good SEO. Mm. That means you have to have good HR policies. That yeah. means you have to have a good contract with your, your lead supplier. Like all these things need to be in place. But if you don't know about it, Mm. You're constantly going to be just grinding yourself against the stone to try and get this stuff done as opposed to having clarity and going, this is what I need to achieve, tick, 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 tick. Now I don't need to worry about all that stuff and I can do the one thing. You know, maybe I, all I want to do is get out on the road and sell. Mm. How can we build your business so you do that and other people do it? So whether we, um, I sat through a great session that Steph Hines from GrowthWise Accounting um, did and it, she spoke about um, eliminate, automate, delegate. So what am I doing? Do I need to do it? No, don't do it. Stop mm. it. What am I doing? It does it need to be done? Yes. Can someone else do it? Yes. Delegate it. Um, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, sorry. What am I doing? Do I need to do it? Yes. Can I automate it? Can I put it in a system? Can I process it? Yes. Then let's automate it. Or what am I doing? Do I need to do it? No, but someone mm. else can do it. Let's delegate it. And if you get through all that, then the last thing is what you should be doing. And I think the thematic learning out of that too is that even if you don't own a business, Apply that to your life. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Automate totally. Automate it. Eliminate it. Delegate it. What else, what else can you do around those particular areas and trying to just cut out the, the crap that people just seem to build into their lives, the excess yep. baggage that they seem to have just accumulated and, and try to run a filter through everything in your life around that and, and anything that comes in, really. Yep. I mean, I think it's interesting that, um, and maybe this is now a little too far, but you know, if you move house, 
you have to go and you have to question, or you should be questioning everything you have. Well, do I still wear that shirt? Do I, still I throw that everything shirt? out when I move. I'm like, bin it. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you, you purge it out, and yeah. then all of a sudden, when you get to the end of it, that's it's just a very distilled version of you and what you need, the tools and re, the tools and resources and all those sorts of things. But I think with when it comes to our minds, we we don't do that. We don't really seem to upgrade or declutter. Hmm. All those different aspects around our life. So if yep. you have that ability, and it's something I've been really focusing on, um, like I'll probably talk to later podcasts, but I've I've really put a rule in my life this year that I I don't want a three times return on investment of my time and energy or money. I want a 10x return. Right. So a lot of that means that I have to almost ruthlessly try to cut out things mm-hmm. that don't give me value that don't really give that 10x value in it. And and that's with things as well too. I really want to try mm-hmm. to live a minimalist life. And as you know, one of my one of my uh, sayings I live by, and probably listeners have heard me say this a couple of times, is discipline equals freedom. Mm-hmm. So if I have less things and things that I have to, you know, store and clean and pay for and move and just strip it down, just eliminate it and delegate things that maybe aren't as important to me in terms of some of the services and one in my life, getting technologies in, right? Mm. I mean, there's apps and stuff like that. It's amazing how all of a sudden I free up all this room to actually do things that actually interest me and I actually get real value from. Yep. It's just, it's been, it's been profound. Yep. How do you define a 10x return? Like, you know, from a something that's not like I put a dollar and I get $10 back, mm. where it's like a non-monetary, it's a non, like how do you actually go, oh, this for me gets me a 10x return? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's when I compare it to other things. If I look at if I look at all the things I do and I look at what makes me the most happy, mm. I look at that thing that makes me the happiest and I say, mm. that's my 10x return. And I want to get everything, I want to do more of that and I want to do other things that give me that return. I want to get it to there, right? So, uh, you know, very real example is, you know, I'm, I love, obviously I'm Canadian, moved to Australia. I love the weather and I love being out in, I love being out in the sun and, and the warmth and stuff like that. So a big thing for me is trying to just be outside, whether that be just going to the park or going to the beach. Mm. And if I can eliminate other things out of my life, it means I get to spend more time doing those particular things. Yeah. Sounds cliche, but I love reading in the park. I love just hanging out in the park, relaxing, watching the clouds, listening to the birds, all that sort of thing. That to me is that 10x. Cool. So I look at everything else and I try to I try to replicate that same intrinsic satisfaction and mm. you know that same excitement that like yes I'm gonna go do this and and, yeah. and get more of that. So and it's yep. it's not easy and I'm still working really hard to get there and it's I've had to face some uncomfortable challenges to cut things out of my life or people that it's not easy, but I you've feel got to, you've got to do it, right? Like you, you only got one shot at this life, right? Yeah. So if we spend all our time either pleasing others or dealing with stuff that we shouldn't be dealing with, we're not getting the most out of it. Now, you can do that selfishly or you can do that from a, a communal aspect where it's still inclusive of people. But like, like I'd hate to get to the age of like 60, 70, 80 years old and be like, man... There are all these things I wish I did. Like, and, and you know, I'm married and I've got a, a, a daughter and I've got another one on the way. Like, but I can still do them. Like, that, just because I have that doesn't mean I can't achieve these mm. things. But what is it that I want to be achieving out of it? And how can I make sure that my I'm still focused on that? You know? It's one of the reasons why I have copious amounts of bottles of whiskey at my home <laughs> is that I absolutely love mm. whiskey and that one of my life goals is to have my own whiskey bar so i i have that focus in, you know, in five years time i want my business to not need me because at that point in time i want to have a whiskey bar now whether i'm running it whether i'm just an employee at it whether whether i own it whether i don't mm. i don't know what that looks like but all i know is that i want to be in a whiskey bar 
connecting with people. Yeah. So that's why I have that whiskey at home because it reminds me. It's that focus and it also helps me understand more and more about whiskey and it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I would, look, I would be surprised if in probably about, I give it probably five or seven years or so we're sitting down having another chat about your massive multi-billion dollar whiskey venture. <laughs> from a little shop into a, all of a sudden putting, infusing, infusing technology and yeah. relationships into whiskey. And Robot whiskey or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> First autonomous distillery in the world creating uh, high grade whiskey. So It's possible. It's possible no you know what i think that's the exciting thing and i think that's that's a theme i'm getting out of a lot of people i've interviewed that you know really early on you don't necessarily know what your passions are you don't necessarily have that but you you feel them it becomes just something yeah. you, you know what you love you know what you don't love but you sort of you kind of stumble your way through yeah. that but as i've noticed with the people that i've interviewed it's because they've been able to take that distill it understand it and then manifest itself mm -hmm. into a vehicle to actually drive that and yep. um, you know like uh, Ryan from Coffee on Q I just spoke with he loved he loved technology love hospitality he goes and he creates a he starts a pizza shop and he goes through that journey and really loves it and then all of a sudden falls you know knew he loved coffee and used that as a vehicle to learn more about that and then from his love of coffee and hospitality and giving great customer service rolls out then into a very successful and ever-growing coffee cart venture as well too and then who knows in five or ten years from now where he'll take those loves distill it more and manifest itself into another business as yep. well too and i think yep. that's just that's really just the, the yep. core of um you know it's look it's it great we, we were talking earlier as well like you know you know why did you make some of these decisions and i think for me a lot of it's like i i didn't actually think at the time i just kind of did it but now i reflect back like there was a thought process that was going through like internally mm. that I actually wasn't comprehending. You know, the coffee, the love is like, they, like you don't necessarily think like for me, hey, I really like to talk with people and I'm good with numbers. How can I make that happen? Mm. I just happen to do numbers things and I bring who I am into that space. And all of a sudden we go, let's be real. Let's be the person you are. You know, let's, if you've got tattoos, let's let them out. That's okay. Um, you know, if you're going to wear jeans, that's okay. Like, like let's be that person mm. that you truly are. And it wasn't like me going, I want to, you know, shove a rod up all the 50-year-olds with a suit and ties because that's not the way it should be done. I'm going to make sure I wear a T-shirt every day. It was just like I got out of bed and I said, what do I feel like wearing today? Mm. And I put it on and I went to work. And it was like I'm sitting down with a client and we're talking about what they do within their business and I talk to them the way I would talk to a human being. Yeah. It wasn't like a conscious decision, but now I reflect on it, it probably was more subconscious. It was still something within me was saying, I've learned something, I value something, how can I put that together and make this a thing now? Absolutely. And I think that in is so true. I think, I'm, I'm so happy you said that because it's just too often I think people try to put things together and try to couple it together into a yep. business or an idea. Yep. And I think that's where we come back to this suit wearing nothing wrong with suits my love suits but it back to this back to this right now we use to this suit another suit me too who's got a social media page that's trying to spruik the same yep. thing that everybody else was trying to spruik no yep. authenticity no realism but distilling that being proud of that putting that together and having the confidence to back yourself i think is really well it creates individual things right it means that we don't have the mm. same you know marketing facebook page for every person it means we've got bunch of people with different views and different perspectives and different ideas on things and then as a community we grow faster if we're all thinking the same way we're only going to go so far as that thought process um, there's a book I read um, by a guy called Rob Bell called Velvet Elvis and it talks about um, you know uh, you know we have one leader and, and everyone follows the leader and mm. we do this and then the leader dies and we just stop mm. And then be like this idea of like um, like a painter going, hey, I've just painted this velvet Elvis. Just painted this picture. It is the best picture you'll ever see in your entire life. No one ever needs to mm. paint again. 
right? It's, it's an absurd kind of concept. Mm-hmm. So why would we all try to do the same thing over and over again? Where we could actually say, let's bring my personality, my flair, let's make this different, let's make this unique, let's grow together and learn and understand. Like I'm going to learn something amazing from the accountant across the road, around the corner, on the other side of the world. And that's going to hopefully grow what I do as a business and then also it's going to hopefully grow my clients as well. Mm. Um, And therefore, we all win. Yeah, love it. Just on that, I think that's probably a good point just to transition into the uh, the rapid fire questions section. Cool. Um, so obviously I'll ask you a, a series of questions my listeners will be familiar with now. Your answer can be long or short or you might not even want to answer. You might answer it in a completely different way. It's in, just say pass all the time. So pass all the time. I'll do it again. Do it again. So uh, this first question here is uh, what book has most changed your life? And I'd love if you could place us to um, where you read it and what context did it change your life? Sure. So I'm a really poor reader. Uh, I, I want to read and I try to read and I fail. Um, I'm a little bit better at audiobooks, but I'm still not that good. But the one book that I've read recently that really stuck with me, um, it's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who it's by. Um, I read it when, in Sri Lanka when we did the whole remote work trip. Mm-hmm. So I, I read it in front of waterfalls. I read it sitting on the beach. I read it um, on top of a mountain. Like I, I, it just was this whole concept of idea of like, People chase their passions too early before they're actually good at something. Mm. It's like, you know, I want to be a rock star. Well, you can't even play a guitar, mate. Like, come on. Like, mm. f- like become... Uh, it's from, like, Steve Martin, the comedian, who, like, spent years and years mastering his craft so that he became so good that people couldn't ignore him. Mm. So, for me, that's like, well, how do I make sure what I do is actually really, really good so people take notice instead of standing on the sidewalk going, hey, I'm really good at what I do, by the way. Hey, can, can I do this? Yeah. And expect people to pay me for it. Yeah. Like... So yeah, that was that was Sri Lanka. That was um, yeah, just over twelve months ago. Fantastic. Um, who has been the greatest influence on your life growing up? And this could be somebody you didn't know or some other prominent figure. Ah, it's a good question. I I'm definitely not the kind of person to have like I've never really had a proper mentor. Like I've I've got some people in my world now, but growing up, I never really did. I've never been the person to idolize people either. Mm. Like this this really like almost a rebellious side of who's like, stuff you, I don't want to follow you and what you do. Like, I'm going to be my own person within that. But um, but I guess, like, you, you know, people rub off you still. You still are going to have relationships and, and you're still going to connect with people as a result of that. So, like, my family was is obviously a lot of that. My dad is a, you know, six foot four Dutchman mm. who scares the crap out of anybody who meets him for the first time. <laughs> and then the second time they realize he's just a big cuddly teddy bear. So I've learned a lot from him and, and my mom, who seems to know something's going to happen before it happens. Mm. And there's been countless times where it's happened. So I've learned a lot from, from them. You know, my, my my two sisters who were both younger than me and one who's an outdoor trek guide, the other who's just a darling sweetheart who's learning learning um, at, at university at the moment. Like, I've learned so much from that. So it's probably the, the people that I've spent the most time with. There's, there's no one person that I look at and I go, I want to be like them mm. or I, I, I want to I learn from them. Um, I just try to grab as much as I can from any interaction. You know, what our conversations here, I'll probably walk away and I'll remember snippets and sentences here that I'll carry with me for as long as I can go. Mm, fantastic. Um, what mantra or inspirational quote has most changed your life and why? And I'd love if again you could tell us where you first heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get a good one for that one. So I, um, 
we had uh, a dispute that we had to handle within Illuminate that um, that wasn't the most enjoyable thing to go through. I am someone who unfortunately takes people's opinion of me too far. Um, and when people say things, whether they be true or not, I, I, I'm impacted by that. So we were going through a dispute and um, this particular person who was representing the person who we were having a dispute with um, was like the first conversation I had was like at 7 p.m. at night. For some silly reason, I answered my phone mm. to a, a number I didn't know when I was sitting in my office and straight away it was this barrage of like abuse and accusation of the phone. I took it really hard, like to a point, like I remember sitting in my office and like in tears with my practice manager, what I was going through. Um, and I sat down with someone who, who was a lawyer, but he's a mate and he's like, hey, you know, you go through a lot of these things and you know, but you know, just keep your head up and go through it. And so he didn't say the thing, but what it was that I pulled out of it is that you're not defined by what you go through, but how you go through yeah. it. And so for me, it was like, I know through that entire situation, I was being honorable, respectful, and 100%, we were 100% in the right, I knew that, like there was nothing to, but at the same time, I'm not going to be the guy that, that starts throwing accusations. I'm not going to be the guy that starts throwing punches. You know, if you want to punch me in the face, I'll turn the cheek, have a crack at the other one. If I'm in the right position, I'm going to try to be as honorable. And I want, I want people to walk away from that interaction and go, you know what? That was tough, but he's a good bloke. Mm. And he, he cares and he does the right thing. Um, but also, at the same time, doesn't get taken advantage of too. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you stand up for yourself when you need to, but you do it the right way as opposed to in a deceptive and a devious way. Mm, fantastic. Um, tell us a bit about your morning routine. <laughs> my morning routine is I snooze my uh, alarm. So it goes like I work. I, I live 15 minutes around the corner from work, so <laughs> I don't really have to travel too far. I used to live three minutes around the corner, so my alarm goes off at 6:36 because that's just what I got set. I snooze that. Then another one goes off at seven. I typically will snooze that, <laughs> and then hopefully I'm out of bed before eight o'clock. Um, I jump in the shower, put on some clothes and I'm out the door. Like mm. I don't, I, like I'm horrible. I don't eat breakfast or if I do, it's like I'll grab a toasted ham and cheese sandwich when I get to the office. Um, one really amazing thing I've started trying to do lately is that I try and get out of bed at seven mm. and I walk into my daughter's room and I hop in her bed and we just cuddle in the morning and it's like, it's really hard because often I get in there and she goes, go away. I don't want you. <laughs> this is the relationship you have with a three-year-old, but for me, that's like this whole refresh. You talk about the disproportionate return. That's that moment mm. right there. Like, I know there's a lot of times I see my daughter and she's three and she's doing three-year-old things and telling me that she doesn't want me anywhere near her or go away or leave her alone. But like those moments where like she'll tell me to go away and within 30 seconds, I'm like, all right, I'll go. She's like, don't go. <laughs> and then she's like, I love you so much. And it's like, that is like, it breaks you. And then you're like, okay, I'm good. I can go to work now. Like, yeah. I'm ready for this day. And then I hit the office and we go. So... Just looking at the time, uh, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. It's been an absolutely fantastic conversation, the opportunity to learn and grow from yourself. Um, just for people that are interested, how can they follow your journey and stay in touch with yourself? Yeah, awesome. So um, you can check me out LinkedIn on Twitter, um, Andrew Van D Beek. That's V A N space D E space B W E K for those of you playing at home. <laughs> um, so we're all through there. Um, additionally, Illuminate. So it's I L L U M I N the number eight. Um, .com.au is our website. Um, you can see all our socials through there as well. We, we connect um, quite a lot via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we use a lot of that stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, additionally, you can check out um, Big Little Brush that I spoke about mm. as well. So um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, um, and website, biglittlebrush.org. Um, we will have toothbrushes ready in a couple of months. So <laughs> I expect all of you to be ordering them. Absolutely. And I'll yeah. make sure you let me know when that comes out as well too. We'll totally. get you back onto the, uh, to the YC Nation and see if we can't uh, get some love as well too. Support Sounds you. awesome. And Jay, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Thanks so man. much.
Awesome. Take care. Cheers. Hi, everyone, and thank you again for joining me for today's chat. Please make sure you jump on Facebook to quickly like and share this podcast episode. If you're not already following me, please take another quick minute to hit that like button so you can stay up to date with all new podcast episodes, exciting announcements, and other things going on. You can find me on Facebook at Project Y2, that's at Project Y and the number two. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn if you're there. Don't forget to share and rate this on wherever you find your podcast episodes. And I look forward to having you join me again for our next Y2 podcast.